Hello and welcome to Light for Living. I'm so excited that you have decided to join us. Today we're beginning a study of the Revelation. We're calling it The Time is Near. So in this first episode, we're going to to look at at several things. We're going to give an, an introduction of the book of Revelation. And then in our next episode, we will start with verse 1 and start making our way through the book. But in this introduction, we're going to see the author. We're going to see the date. We're going to see who received this book. We're also going to see who wrote it, what the context is. And then we're also going to give some tips for reading the book of the Revelation because, to be honest, it scares a lot of people. It intimidates a lot of people because of the different uh, the different words, the signs, the symbols, the numbers, and, and it just throws a lot of people off. And so people have decided, well, if I don't think I can understand it, then I'm just not going to spend my time reading it. Well, you know what? God means for us to understand it and to know it. So I don't want you to be scared. I don't want you to be intimidated by this book. So we're going to give you some tips, things to uh, remember when we when we read this book, and things to look for. So let's get started. I would encourage you to get your Bibles out. I would also encourage you to get you a notebook. Get you a notebook that is reserved just for um, this study. That way you can have all these notes in the same place because it's not good enough, at least to me, it's not good enough just to know for my own personal gain, what the Bible says, specifically what the book of the Revelation says, but I think we ought to be able to to share it. And if you take notes, uh, you can go back, you can look, you can put it in your mind, it can settle in your heart, and we can share these things. So uh, once again, I would encourage you to get a notebook and a pen, and uh, we're going to have a great time, and we're asking God to uh, to speak during this time. And and, and we're going to have a clear understanding of what of what is uh, in store for the world and uh, and for us. So uh, if you have your notes, go ahead and uh, just write this heading down. The author, the author is John the Apostle. John the Apostle. He is responsible for writing the Gospel of John. He's responsible for writing First, Second, and Third John, and he's responsible for writing the Revelation. So John is responsible for writing the Revelation. He was exiled to the Isle of Patmos by Domitian, and we'll say more about that later. The date is somewhere in the mid to late 90s A.D., so 95 to 100 A.D. Now, the recipients of the Revelation are the seven churches of Asia Minor. They are mentioned in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, and we will study those uh, John was very familiar with these churches, and he is writing to these churches, and we'll learn more about these churches, as I said, when we look at at the letters. Now, these seven churches in Asia Minor are or were um, geographically where modern-day Turkey is today. Now, make note of this and put an asterisk here. Revelation, the revelation of of that that God gave John, it's written to believers. It's written to believers. So people who are not believers, people who are not committed to Jesus Christ will have a hard time. It'll be very difficult for them to understand this book. So it's written to believers. So the seven churches in John's day in Asia Minor, they were real churches that existed. They were in real cities with real Christ followers who experienced real life. So once again, 
John's writing to these seven churches. They are seven churches that were presently or currently existing in his day. They were existing in real cities with real Christ followers who are experiencing real life. Now, Revelation chapters 2 and 3 are separate letters written to each of the seven churches. So here's the context of, of the Revelation. The seven churches in Asia Minor were experiencing a season of severe persecution. Domitian was the emperor of Rome from 81 to 96 AD. He was an arrogant and extremely insecure person. His insecurity caused him to be paranoid and suspicious against uh, plots that he thought were people were plotting against him. So Domitian did not tolerate the worship of anyone or anything but himself. So during his reign, Domitian was the first emperor to have himself officially titled in Rome as God, God the Lord. He insisted that other people hail himself as, or hail, hail his greatness as um, not only God the Lord, but Lord of the earth, invincible, glory, holy, and thou alone. The historian Pliny described Domitian as a beast from hell who sat in his den licking blood. When Domitian ordered people to worship him, true followers, true followers of Christ would not bow down to worship him. Um, because true believers would not bow down to worship him, many of them were executed, they were martyred for their faith. You see, Domitian had built a temple in his honor in the city of Ephesus and erected a statue there, and people would come to Ephesus to pay honor or homage to Domitian, God the Lord. Um. So as people were, believers were experiencing uh, severe hard times, many of them were being executed, uh, John um, was, was writing his gospel, and because he wrote the gospel of John, that's why I believe he was um, exiled to, to Patmos. An, ex, an ex-slave of Clemens, Stephanus, was mobilized by some of Domitian's enemies and, and murdered him. What I would say is what goes around comes around. So Domitian, after this severe execution of, of Christians, was, was himself executed. In the midst of threats, intimidation, persecution, and death, the church, everyone who submits their life to Christ, we have the hope of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world and victory is ours. So regardless of what we face, regardless of what we're going through, we just need to understand we have hope. So when you read the Revelation, understand if we have a relationship with Christ by grace through faith, we have hope. So in the midst of threats, intimidation, persecution, and death, the church, those who have submitted their life to Christ, we have the hope of Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Victory is ours. Just know this, Jesus Christ is coming back in great power and glory. When he comes, when he comes back, the entire world will see him. They will hear him and everyone will recognize Jesus is King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So when we think about the context, the people of God were, were in a harsh time of, of suffering. John was on the Isle of Patmos. Now, to understand that, he gets to the Isle of Patmos. Domitian actually tried to kill him. Tertullian, the first century uh, historian, has said that Domitian tried to execute John by placing him in a pot, a cauldron of boiling oil. Tertullian said 
that he would not die, and as a result of him not dying in the boiling oil, Domitian had him exiled to to Patmos to do hard labor. So that's kind of the context. Now let's go to the theme, and you want to write this down. Just go ahead and write in in bold letters the theme of the Revelation. So when you read uh, chapters 1 and you get all the way through to the end, uh, at least in my mind, I see three three significant themes as we read. And matter of fact, when you read the Revelation, I think you're going to read one of three themes uh, as, as you make your way through it. So the first theme, all the way through uh, the book of the Revelation is Jesus. Matter of fact, uh, the Revelation is the word apocalypsis, which is the unveiling of of Jesus. So when we read the book of the Revelation, we are seeing Jesus Christ unveiled. We are seeing him unmasked. We are seeing him uh, as he truly is. He is the Son of God. He is the Savior. So the Revelation reveals Jesus. Jesus is no longer a baby in the manger. He's no longer a, a humble servant. He is king and Lord over everything. He is judge. He is Lord and master. So the theme of of the revelation we will see all through the book Jesus is the son of God, he's the savior. Another theme that's found throughout the book of the revelation is joy. Joy for the saints. There are great promises that are contained in the revelation for everyone who follows Christ. There's no more death, no pain, no suffering, no tears, the hope of heaven, eternal life peace. When you look at Revelation 21, 1 through 7, that describes just some of the joy for the saints. You know, because of our faith in Jesus Christ, we have a lot to look forward to, and we have a lot that we're going to miss. Thank God we're going to miss the judgment of of all the sinners. So when you're reading the book of Revelation, just remember these themes. Revelation uh, talks about, and it reveals Jesus Christ, who he really is. It talks about joy for the saints, but it also talks about judgment of sinners. When you get to Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, uh, this describes some of the judgment of, of sinners, but it describes some. All the, all the way through the Revelation, we're going to see what God has in store for those who... Uh, who don't have a relationship with him. It's uh, it's horrific. It's, it's really hard to imagine. So when you read the Revelation, just understand this. It reveals who Jesus is. It talks about and it reveals the joy for the saints, and it reveals judgment for sinners. But I want you to look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. Don't miss this. Revelation 1, 3 says this, Blessed. This word blessed literally means, oh, how very happy, how blessed is the person who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep what is written in it, because the time is near. So blessings are for the one who reads the word of this prophecy, blessed are those who hear and don't forget this, blessed are those who keep what is written in it. So there's a blessing to those who read, hear, and obey what God's Word says throughout the book of uh, the Revelation. And I will say this, 
um, it's 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 the revelation. It's not revelations. It's the revelation. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. So um, when you refer to the book of the Revelation, uh, I, this is kind of a pet peeve of mine. Um, it's not revelations. So go ahead and just understand that it's not revelations. It's the revelation. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we have the blessing for those who read, for those who hear, and those who keep the words that are written in this book. But Revelation chapter 1, verse 19 declares the purpose. Revelation chapter 1, verse 19. Therefore, he's telling John, write what you have seen, what is, and what will take place after this. So John is told to write, what you have seen, write what is happening now, and write what will take place after this. So John the Apostle was told, once again, write what you've seen, what is, and what will take place after this. Now, the revelation intimidates a lot of people. It intimidates a lot of people because it's about end times. It contains a message that is difficult to interpret and understand. Um, the revelation is not an ordinary writing. The revelation is what theologians would call or define as apocalyptic literature. And it intimidates a lot of people because um, there's signs that we don't understand. There are symbols that we don't understand. There are numbers. There are visions. And, and, and we just don't get it. And maybe we're afraid that, that we're not going to get it or we're going to get it wrong. So uh, I think as we begin to read the Revelation, we need to understand it is apocalyptic in nature. It's apocalyptic literature. Um, it's going to uncover not only Jesus, but what is soon going to come to pass. So Daniel in the Old Testament is is apocalyptic literature, the last half of the book of Daniel, and then the entire book of the Revelation uh, these are the clearest examples of apocalyptic literature for sure in the scriptures. So once again, if you have your notebooks, I want to just write this heading down, tips, tips for reading apocalyptic literature. You're not going to read apocalyptic literature like you read the newspaper. You're not going to read apocalyptic literature like you read um, a novel uh, or a biography or even a textbook. Uh, there are special things we need to remember when we're trying to read and understand what apocalyptic literature is trying to communicate. So when reading apocalyptic literature, write this down. Pay attention to signs, symbols, numbers, and visions. So when reading apocalyptic literature, pay attention to signs, symbols, numbers, and visions. A sign, and I'm going to give you a definition here, a sign is an object that conveys a specific meaning. So, for instance, in Revelation chapter 13, verse 1, the beast coming out of the sea. The beast coming out of the sea is literally the Antichrist, but is the Antichrist really coming out of the sea? A sign is an object that conveys a specific meaning. The beast coming out of the sea is not Aquaman walking out of the ocean onto the beach. The sea refers to people. So the beast is the Antichrist, and he will rise up out of a sea of people. So he is a, he is a human, and he rises up out of a sea of people. So we, we understand that 
the ocean is a sign, and it refers to, to people. A symbol is similar to a sign, but it conveys a deeper and more complex meaning than signs. So once again, a symbol is similar to a sign, but it conveys a deeper and more complex meaning than signs. So I've got a good example. Revelation chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. The Bible says, Four living creatures covered with eyes in front and in back were around the throne on each side. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like an ox. The third living creature had a face like a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. So we have four living creatures and they are surrounding the throne. In these four living creatures, it's kind of uh, odd. Once again, apocalyptic literature uses symbolic language. So there's really not the these creatures. What's What they're trying to convey is the presence of Christ in his fullness is surrounding the throne. So when you read Revelation 4, 6, and 7, the four living creatures, uh, the first living creature is like a lion. The first living creature is like a lion means a lion is the king of the jungle, the king of beasts. And the lion represents majesty among all the animals of the earth. So what this creature with the face of a lion is signifying, Jesus is king of kings. He is Lord of lords. He is the the majestic one. So we see the first beast, the first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like an ox or or a calf. So when you think about an ox or a calf, you think about uh, an animal that was frequently used as a sacrifice. So what we understand about this living creature, it represents the fact that Jesus is the one who gave himself for the sins of all the world. So Jesus is not only king, he is the one who gave himself freely as a sacrifice to pay for the sins of the world. So the third living creature had a face like a man. This creature having a face like a man uh, is referring to the fact that Jesus left his throne in heaven and made his dwelling among humanity. Jesus made himself in the form of humanity to take our place on the cross. So these creatures, literally they are signifying the fullness of Christ, his majesty, his sacrificial atonement, his humanity, and last but not least, the the fourth living creature was like a, a flying eagle. The eagle symbolizes sovereignty. Jesus is sovereign over all the earth. So we have the the fullness of of Christ, the fullness of his divine nature explained by the four creatures. So Jesus is all around the throne. He is not only majestic and, and king, but he is also the servant who sacrificed himself to pay for the sins of the world. He is the one who made himself flesh and and dwelt among us, and he has sovereignty over everything. So we have signs, an object that conveys a specific meaning, symbols, much like signs, but they convey a deeper and more complex meaning than signs. Then we have numbers. Numbers all through apocalyptic literature have specific meanings. So throughout the Revelation, there are a lot of numbers. So seven is the number of perfection. 
Six is the number of humanity less than perfection. So when you see the numbers 666, there you go. That's uh, one less than perfection. So seven is the number of perfection. We have six. Then we have 12. 12 and any number divisible by 12 is the number of God's people. So uh, we see 24 elders around the throne. Uh, We see 144,000 who are sealed to share the good news about Jesus. So we're going to see all kinds of numbers. So to understand apocalyptic literature, we need to have some kind of understanding of, of numbers. And as we walk through the Revelation, we're going to see the significance of numbers. Last but not least, the fourth thing we need to understand about apocalyptic literature, if we're going to understand, comprehend Uh, The message is apocalyptic literature oftentimes has many visions. Visions describe what will come to pass in the future, and these visions often contain signs, symbols, and numbers. So when we think about apocalyptic literature, we've got to have some kind of understanding of signs, symbols, numbers, and visions. So, my, uh, if I could give you an assignment, my assignment would be start to read the Revelation. Start with chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3. Those are relatively simple, but after chapter 3, um, Revelation takes a significant turn, and things start to pick up pace, and, and the tone of the book, it changes. And as you read, just start to write down, some of the signs, some of the symbols, some of the numbers, and some of the visions. And start to pray and ask God for wisdom, and we're going to start looking at those as we come to them. So Revelation is a lot uh, easier to read when you understand signs, symbols, numbers, and visions. So I'll leave you with this. As we begin to look at the Revelation, start to read it, pray, ask God to give you understanding, and remember this, Revelation chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed is the one who reads about the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep what is written in it, because the time is near. Until our next time, uh, be much in prayer for me as I continue to study through Revelation. You continue to read, and we're going to allow God to speak and work and, and let us understand what this great book means. Take care, and we'll see you soon.